Uh, well, we're going to be in uh, Matthew chapter 4, verses 1 through 11. You have those message, message notes right there. Take those things out. And we're going to go right through those verses there. There's a couple of uh, additional verses. You're going to just follow along. There's some fill in the blanks there um, as well. I just want to say to you again, Merry Christmas. Uh, look, it's Winter Wonderland in PS299. Did you guys see that when you came in? And the back's really cute. I, I guess they're getting ready for, for Christmas time and for winter and such here at the school. Um, are, are you used to hearing that just yet? You know, uh, Merry Christmas. Everywhere you go, you're, they're saying it. You put on the radio. No matter what, you're listening to that very thing. And last week, we began our Christmas series. Um, God with us is the name of this series, God with us. And we spoke about how God is with us specifically in the valley, how God is with us in those, in those valley seasons in our lives. As I continue speaking with people, I know that many are going through a valley season right now. Meaning things are tough. Things are, are difficult right now. Maybe there's financial hardship. Maybe there's relational strife or there's the loss of someone that they love and they care for dearly. A lot of people are going through these valley seasons in their lives right now. And we mentioned last week that it's not a matter of if, if, but when you will go through a valley, right? Uh, we, we read that in Psalms chapter 23, verse 4. Though I walk through the valley, right? Even though I will go. It's not a matter of if, but when you will have those valley seasons in your life. But even in the valley, God has promised that He is with us. God has promised and He is with us. Next week, I'm really excited because Stephen is going to be sharing about how God is with us on the mountaintops. Because yes, God is with us in those low times, those difficult times, those difficult situations. What about when everything's okay? He's going to talk about that. Where is God when everything's maybe even trending upward? Do we even need God when you're up there? You know, doesn't it seem fine if there's money in the bank, there's food on the table, the fridge is full? Do you even need God in that time? He's going to talk about how God is with us on the mountaintops. You're definitely not going to want to miss that next Sunday. But as we begin our time today, let me ask you guys a question. Have you ever been to a desert? Have you ever been to a desert? I know it's a weird question, especially if you don't travel much and living in New York City, you definitely don't have exposure to desert at all. You know, there's no desert here, but just for fun, right? Just for fun. If you've ever been to a desert, raise your hand. I'm really curious. All right. All right. A couple of you guys. I'm a little bit more surprised, actually, than I thought um, that you would say. But yeah, absolutely. Living in New York City, probably um, if, if you've traveled to Arizona, New Mexico or Texas, some of these places, they have um, deserts. So if you've traveled there, you've seen it. For the rest of us, the closest we've ever been to a desert is that exhibit at the zoo. You know what I'm talking about? When you go in, like they paint cactus on the wall, right? The floor, they painted beige and they change the light bulbs to like yellow and it's a little hot to make it. They pick up the temperature so it's a little warmer when you go in. That's pretty much the closest we've ever been to a desert. But in today's passage, we're going to find Jesus actually being led to the desert, being led in a desert moment, a desert season in his life. In fact, your, your Bible may translate it desert or the CSB translates it wilderness. It's the same thing. We're going to talk a little bit more about that in a moment. But everybody, take out your message notes. The verses there, our main verses are on the front of that page. The fill in the blanks are on the back. And let's read Matthew chapter 4, verse 1 and 2. Here's what it says. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights... A no-duh statement. He was hungry, right? After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he led to the wilderness. I want you guys to imagine this scenario for a moment. Before the launch of Jesus' public ministry, 
He's led into the wilderness where he fasts and he prays. And eventually he's tempted and tormented by the devil himself. The word translated there, if you guys want to circle it right there in your notes, the word wilderness is from the word eremos, which can be translated desert. It can be translated wilderness or isolated or desolate place. And this is where Jesus finds himself in this moment. He finds himself in the desert, in the wilderness, isolated in, in a desolate place. And so when we speak of wilderness here, don't think rainforest. He's not in the rainforest, right? Think desert. Matthew tells us that he is in the desert for 40 days. Uh, think about where, where the majority of Jesus' ministry took place in the Middle East. All right, so we're not talking about a, a rainforest type of wilderness or we're not talking about the jungles of Africa. Or we're, we're talking about in the desert, in the heat, sand, and, and with a lot of scarcity. And so that's where Jesus finds himself. But he's not only experiencing physical exhaustion and, and hunger of the desert, he's also mentally and emotionally, and he's spiritually exhausted as well. He's in a desert season. He doesn't only find himself in the desert, but going through the desert, going through a desert season. Have you ever found yourself in a moment like that, in a season, in a desert season in your life? And a moment ago, I just asked you if you've ever been to the desert. I'm not talking about that, not the physical desert space. I'm talking about emotionally spiritually have, have you ever have you ever been to that point where you are just exhausted and you just feel like you're going like you're in the middle of a desert you know in a desert one of the first fill in the blanks there it's dry right in the desert it's dry and there's typically a lack of water in the desert and you guys know this water gives life right you you can go without eating longer than you can without water and when you're going through a desert season in your life you're experiencing dryness you're experiencing this dryness, not, not a dryness that lotion can help you with. That's not what I'm talking about, right? Perhaps you can, you can especially relate to this on a spiritual level. Have you ever felt like spiritually dry? You, you know, you've experienced before like the refreshing waters of God's grace. You experienced that. You were overwhelmed with this love that came crashing over you like a wave after wave. But now, but now it just feels dry, and maybe you can't even quite put your finger on it. Like, what, what is causing it? Why do I feel this way? And in fact, maybe you can relate with the psalmist. The psalmist said this in Psalm chapter 63, verse 1. God, you are my God. I eagerly seek you. I thirst for you. My body faints. My body faints for you in a land that is dry, desolate, and without water. Do you ever feel like that? You experience these, these seasons of where you're just overwhelmed with God's grace and then you enter these spiritually dry and you feel like the psalmist is saying, I feel like I'm in a land that's dry and desolate and without water. Have you ever found yourself there? Maybe it's a place where you're just numb. Like you're, you're numb emotionally. You're numb spiritually. You, you might feel emotionally removed from your surroundings or not experiencing God how you once did. Sometimes a desert season feels dry. In the desert, there's scarcity. There's scarcity in the desert. In the desert, there's not many resources at your disposal. There's not a lot of choice for food, right? There's not a buffet in the middle of the desert. There's not a lot of options around for you. There's a lot of scarcity. And one of the ways that the Bible speaks of scarcity is by using the word famine. You probably read that word several times all throughout the Bible. For example, in the Old Testament story of Joseph. 
The story goes that Pharaoh, who was the most powerful ruler in that day, has a dream. And in his dream, he dreams that he sees seven fat cows that are grazing and eating. And these fat, plump, healthy cows that he sees. But then all of a sudden, these seven skinny, scrawny, ugly cows come behind them and eat the fat cows. This is the dream that he sees. And so Pharaoh is perplexed by what, is, what does this dream mean? And so he, he calls on Joseph. And Joseph has the uh, spiritual ability to interpret dreams. And what he tells Pharaoh is that it wasn't good news for Egypt. This is what it says in Genesis chapter 41, verse 29 and 30. This is his interpretation of Pharaoh's dream. There will there'll come seven years of great plenty throughout all the land of Egypt. But after them, there will arise, arise seven years of famine. And all the plenty will be forgotten in the land of Egypt. The famine will consume the land. In other words, in Joseph's interpretation of the dream, it included seven years of scarcity. Exactly what we're talking about. That there will be no food, there will be on the land, and the land would not be able to produce crops. And, and in that desert season of your life, it feels just like this. It may feel like this as well, like, like money might be particularly tight. And it seems like you can't make ends meet and the first of the month comes around too soon. There's more bills than there are income. The fridge and the cupboards are empty and there's cobwebs at the bottom of your pocket and your jeans. Right? In the desert, we find scarcity. In the desert, you're also alone. You're alone in the desert. The desert is usually deserted, right? That's where we get the name desert from. There's, there's not a huge, booming population, metropolis of people in the middle of the desert. Right? Because you can tend, and when you're there, you can tend to feel isolated and alone. When you find yourself in that desert experience, in that desert season, you can find yourself alone and deserted and isolated. You see, in a desert season, you can tend to feel this way. You can feel like you're all alone. You feel like no one understands what you're going through. You feel like no one even cares when you're in this desert season. And in a desert season, what a lot of people do is tend to withdraw and hide and, and, and not be with other people. And they isolate themselves. You know, in the desert, you're vulnerable. You're, you're vulnerable in the desert. In the desert, there aren't many options where to hide. Everything's exposed. You're exposed and you're, and you're vulnerable. And in the wilderness, there's predators waiting to harm you. In the desert, you're open to attack. And that's where the enemy can really do some damage. The enemy can really do some damage because you're all alone. Like a lion who, who tries to separate his prey from the rest of, of, of the flock or the rest of the group of animals. He tries to isolate them, tries to put them away and so that he can attack. That's what our spiritual enemy enjoys to do. Because when we isolate ourselves, that's when we're the most vulnerable. You may be here today, and you find yourself in a desert season. You find yourself, you know, you know, the Christmas carols bother you, and you're all bah humbug and all, you know, Grinch because you find yourself there. And the people caroling and the hot chocolate and 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 the people floating in the sky in the winter wonderland in the back that bothers you. Because you're going through a desert season. You find yourself there. You can find yourself there right now. But what do you do? What do you do to get yourself on the other side of the desert? How is God with us in the desert? So for the rest of our time, I want to look at three things that Jesus did to help him through this desert 
experience. So we're going to jump back into our verse, in our verses today in Matthew chapter 4. And let's look at three things that Jesus did. And I hope that this will be an encouragement for each and every single one of us here today. That if you find yourself in a desert moment, if you find yourself in a desert season, that you'll be able to take these three pieces of advice and you look at the three things that Jesus did and you'll be able to apply it today to help get you through this desert season. And anyway, and if you're not in the desert season and Danny, you're like, Danny, you're bugging out. I have the Christmas music on in the car right now, whatever, I'm good. Then then put this in your pocket for later because like I said earlier, right, you're either, I said this last week, you're either just coming out of a difficult season, you're about to go through a season or you're in one right now. It's one of the three options. It's coming for you. So um, here's number one in your notes is this, to depend on the word of God. How do we get through a desert season? We depend on the word of God. It says it like this in Matthew chapter 4, verses 2 and 3. You have it there in your notes as well. Then the tempter approached him and said, If you're the son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Verse 4, he answered, It's written, Man must not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. You see, when you find yourself in the desert, the temptation will be to look at the circumstances that are all around you and allow that to determine your thoughts and to allow that to determine your actions and allow that to determine your emotions. We're so quick to take off our eyes off of what we know to and hold to be true in the word of God and put our focus on everything else around us. You know, one of the things that God's word helps us with is giving us direction. And if there's anything that you need when you're finding yourself in a desert season is direction. In fact, look what the psalmist said. I would love it if we would read this verse together. Psalm 119 is there in your notes up here on the screen. Let's read it nice and loud. Ready? Go. Your word is a lamp for my feet and a light on my path. See, God's word gives us direction. And during a, a desert season, it's so easy to hear all the compelling voices all around you telling you what's contrary to God's word. You know, I've heard many people say, you know, during a particularly difficult season, when they're going through one of these tough times in their lives, you know, I just wish God would talk to me. I wish I could hear God. I wish he would tell me. I wish he would just tell me exactly what it is I need to hear. Well, guess what? He already has. And it's right here in this book. In the Bible, in God's word, God has already spoken to you. So I have a tough question to ask you guys. How much of a priority is the reading of God's word in your life? Or maybe I should ask, what are you doing to make it a priority in your life? What are you doing to make the reading of God's word and the getting into it on a daily basis and building a rhythm of getting into God's word in order so that you can have this healthy rhythm of getting and hearing from God. Don't wait for a desert experience to begin to do that. You can begin to do that now. In fact, I want to make it easy for everybody here. We, I want to encourage everybody to start a reading plan. Do you guys know what reading plans are? If you have the Bible app on your phone, there's a reading plan that is complementary to our series. It's called God With Us. And here's an easy step for everybody right here. Tonight when you go home, you open up the Bible app and search under the plans, God with us. And it's a complimentary devotional with with a Bible reading plan that you can go along with the verse. And as a church, how about we commit as a church to reading through this devotional together? 
Together, let's learn to depend on God's word. Let's build a rhythm of getting into God's word. Don't wait for a difficult season, a desert season to come around to do that. Start doing it now. As a church, let's commit to reading God's word and digging into this on a daily basis. Let's seek direction from God's word. Here's number two in your notes. Is this to put all your faith and trust in God. Put all your faith and trust in in God. Here's how it said in Matthew chapter 4, verse 5 and se- 5 through 7. Then the devil took him into the holy city, had him stand on the pinnacle of the temple, and said to him, If you're the Son of God, throw yourself down. For it is written, He will give his angels orders concerning you, and they will support you with their hands, so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Jesus told him in verse 7, It is also written, Do not test the Lord your God. You guys ever played this game with your friends? You ever play like the trust fall game? You know what I'm talking about? You stand in front of, you position yourself in front of somebody, and then the point of the game is to basically just lean back, fall back, and then the person behind you, you're supposed to trust them, and they're supposed to catch you, right? Some of you probably have some funny memories of them letting you go, right? How do you fall to the floor, right? But that, there's that. The point of that game is to trust the person that's behind you so that they can catch you. Here, Satan is playing a proverbial game of trust fall with Jesus, saying that if he would jump off, then God would protect him. If he would do this, then God would. Ultimately, what Satan was attempting to get Jesus to do was to determine God's trustworthiness based upon this test. But you see, God's trustworthiness is not determined by whether or not he delivers you from your current state or your current situation. Many times we want to put God to a similar test. And we might say, God, if you deliver me from this issue, then I'll serve you. God, if you give me, if you pay these bills, if you give me the money that I need, then I'll go to church. Then I'll serve you. Then I'll, I'll devote my life to you once you do this for me. Instead, we put our faith and trust in God simply because He is faithful and because He is trustworthy. We don't put our faith and trust in God simply so that we can get something in return. It's not like you can you, you put your faith and trust in God so that you can withdraw from His celestial ATM. It doesn't work that way. We don't put our faith and trust in God just so that He can deliver us from our current desert situation. I like what this verse says here because it helps us to see the important attributes of God. Let's read this together. It's found in 1 John chapter 1, verse 9. You guys ready? Let's read it. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I want you guys to circle these two words in your note that He's faithful and righteous. He's faithful and righteous. Some of your translations of the Bible might say faithful and just. It's interchangeable. It's the same thing. He is faithful. He is righteous. He is just. He is trustworthy. Therefore, even in our present desert experience, we will have faith and we will trust in Him. We don't wait to get something from God to put our faith and trust in Him. He is faithful. He is righteous. By the way, I love the other reminder that this verse gives us here, and that is that he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins, right? God, in his infinite love for us, he made it possible that we might stand before him blameless and righteous, not because of our works, but because of Christ's work. 
You see, we are sinful by nature and choice, and that sin separates us from truly experiencing a relationship with God. But God made a way for us to experience forgiveness of sin, and that was through Jesus. That's why we celebrate God with us during this Christmas season, because God made a way. He reconciled us unto himself through Jesus. Jesus dwelt among us. And he lived a perfect and sinless life. Then on the cross, he bore the weight of the sins of the world. Your, the weight of your sin, the weight of my sin was upon his back. And God's wrath was poured out on Jesus on the cross. And as the perfect sacrifice, he died paying the penalty for your sin and for my sin. But three days later, he rose from the grave conquering Satan's sin and death. And in his death, we experience the forgiveness of our sin. And in his life, we receive newness of life. And the Bible tells us that all we need to do in order to experience this forgiveness of sin and this newness of life is to receive God's free gift of grace through faith. By the way, if you're here today and you've never made a decision to follow Jesus, maybe you've heard of it, but you've never understood this point right here. This is the gospel. This is the good news. That God so loved you that he sent his son to die on the cross for your sin. The penalty for our sin was death and Jesus said, I'll pay the bill. And he died in your place on the cross and he rose from the grave. And the Bible says all you have to do in order to receive his free gift of grace is not pray more, it's not be more religious, it's not do more good things, it's not go to church more, it's not read your Bible more, it's simply accept his free gift of grace. If you've never done that, I want to invite you to do that. In fact, in your bulletin, you receive the connection card and I want you to fill out all the information that you feel comfortable sharing on that. On the back, there's some next steps for all of us. But if you never made that decision to follow Jesus, I want you to check that off right there. Take that next step. Because as a church family, we want to come around you and we want to serve you, we want to help you, we want to walk alongside you, we want to resource you and help you as you grow to become a fully devoted follower of Christ. All you have to do is accept God's free gift of grace. Here's the third thing. If you find yourself in a desert season, the third thing is this. Worship your way through it. Worship your way through it. Here's what it says. Matthew chapter 4, verses 8 to 10. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. And he said to him, I will give you all these things if you will fall down and worship me. Then Jesus told him, go away, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Here the devil attempted to get Jesus to worship him in order that he might gain immediate gratification and immediate relief from his current desert experience. But Jesus is quick to remind Satan that the only true, truly person worthy of worship is God himself. And when you're walking through a desert season, what's your default mode? What's your default mode? Is your initial response to seek God and worship Him? Or do you try to seek out immediate gratification and relief from your temporary problems? How do you deal with your desert experience? Satan's failed attempt was basically to get Jesus to worship comfort, to worship success, to worship wealth. All the things that if we're truly honest... We spend countless energy pursuing. 
Now, the temptation that Satan gave Jesus. So the question you have, how do you worship your way, you know, how, how do you worship your way through a desert experience? Danny, I'm not that good of a singer. That's not what worship is. Worship is not just singing a song. So how do you worship? How do you worship? You worship God individually. This is when you personally, you're seeking after God through prayer and you're reading God's word. This is, you're living your life in such a way that you're in constant red-hot pursuit of Jesus. This is putting all your hope and all your trust and all your dependence off of yourself and onto God. It's living your life devoted to Him. That's how you worship God individually. But the second thing, you can worship God corporately with other believers in community. You can worship God corporately with other believers in community. Listen to this carefully. Perhaps the greatest resource that God has given us when it comes to traveling through those desert seasons in our lives is each other. Let me say that one more time. Perhaps the greatest resource that God has given us when it comes to traveling through those desert seasons in our lives is each other. Yet so many results to going through these moments and seasons alone. So many results to isolation and desolation and ignoring and, and, and not getting together with a group of believers and not getting together to pursue God in the middle of that desert season. Look at what Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24 and 25. And I need us, I need us to read this together. Okay, it's two verses. I know it's a little longer than we usually read together, but we need to read this. We need to get this. Okay, you guys ready? Go. And let us watch out for one another to provoke love and good works, not neglecting to gather together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging each other and all the more as you see the day approaching. Did you guys catch that? Don't neglect gathering together as some are in the habit of doing. Was this written in December 2017? No, it's written thousands of years ago in the New Testament, in the Bible. Many people were neglecting the getting together. You see, in the context of community, we can encourage each other. In the context of community, we can pray for one another. In the context of community, we can weep with one another. In the context of community, we can help each other. And I wish, I wish that we would all see this. But yet, so often, the first thing we do, the moment we enter a desert season, is stop worshiping God corporately, isn't it? The first thing we do, I'm going through a tough time. I'm not going to church today. I'm not going to get together with those people. I'm not going to go to life group. I'm not going to do any of that. We choose isolation over community. And this is probably the biggest weapon that our spiritual enemy has against you. Because if he can isolate you, he knows he can remove the support system that God has placed around you. You are alone and you are vulnerable. But when we gather corporately, together we can encourage each other towards worshiping God through our current circumstances. Together we can lift the other's hand even when they don't have the strength to. That can only happen in the context of community. What do you do? When you find yourself in the desert, what do you do? Realize that God is with you. 
He's with you. You depend on the Word of God. Seek direction through God's Word. It is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. What do you do when you find yourself in the desert? You put all your faith, you put all your trust in God and realize that He is true to His Word, that He is with you. He will never leave you or forsake you. What do you do when you find yourself in the desert season? Do you worship your way through it? Seeking God in the midst of your desert, in the middle of that trial, that tribulation, not because of what he can do for you, but simply for who he is. Simply because he is worthy of your worship and he is worthy of your adoration. Do you worship through it corporately in the context of community in a group of believers where they can encourage you and pray for you and support you and weep with you and be there with you in that desert season? What do you do? Christmas time is a reminder for us that God is with us. And He's with you even in the desert. Would you guys pray with me? God, I thank you for the reminder that you are with us. And I pray for those of us who find ourselves in a desert season right now. But even right here in this room, Lord, I know that there may be some going through that desert season even so now. I pray that we would depend on your word. I pray that we might place all our faith and all our trust in you. I pray that we might be strengthened in the spirit to worship you through it all. Both as individuals and corporately as the body of Christ. I pray for those going through a desert season right now. I pray, God, that you would strengthen them and help them. And I pray, God, that they would be able to apply all these things we talked about today. And I pray, God, that you would see them through that desert moment. God, remind us all right now that you are with us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.